Democrats split between the radicals and the sane Sanders and Elizabeth Warren form an unlikely team-up, and Marianne Williamson comes away with a surprise victory and also crystals. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Marianne, Marianne, Marianne. It was great. Okay, so it was Democratic debate round two, fight night one. It happened all last night. We're going to go through all of it. We're going to explain why Marianne Williamson, her good big night actually had kind of some import to it. I'll explain in just one second. First, a rise in geopolitical tensions have led to a five-year high in gold prices. That is not a shock. When there's uncertainty, people rush to gold. Iran has announced it will break the uranium stockpile limit they agreed to under the nuclear deal, which is not a shock either. Is it a coincidence that gold prices have then been rising steadily since the tanker bombings? No, because again, gold is that safe haven against uncertainty for a lot of people. Is it part of your plan? Well, it should be. It's part of my plan. Can your plan afford another hit like the last downturn when the S&P dropped 50%? You should hedge at least a little bit against inflation and uncertainty and instability with precious metals. I don't mean like take all your assets, liquidate them and buy gold. I mean that it is diversifying against the market. And that's always a good idea. Having something in gold, gold has never been worth zero. It is the all-purpose currency, and there is something to be said for the idea that at least part of your portfolio is going to be insured against the possible chaos to come always. Birch Gold Group, they're the folks that I trust. They have thousands of satisfied customers, countless five-star reviews, and A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Contact Birch Gold Group right now. Get a free information kit on physical precious metals. See if diversifying into gold and silver makes sense for you. They have a comprehensive 16-page kit. Shows how gold and silver can protect your savings. You can get that no-cost, no-obligation kit by texting BEN to 474747. Again, text BEN, my name, to 474747 Birch Gold, the folks that I trust with precious metals investing. All righty. So it was the Democratic debate round two, fight night one. So tonight is the other one. Tonight is the one with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. And it's going to be all race all the time. Can old Joe get up off the mat? But last night was fascinating for another reason. It really highlighted the division inside the Democratic Party between the sane and the insane. The insane right now have their hands on the steering wheel. When I say the insane, I mean the people who are proposing massive, radical change to the United States. People like Elizabeth Warren, people like Bernie Sanders, People, yes, like Pete Buttigieg, who originally came out as a moderate and then has sort of backtracked ever since all the way to the point where he is now suggesting you're a bad Christian if you don't support his ideas on minimum wage. And so there is this radical wing of the party. Then there is the moderate wing of the party. And actually last night on the stage, the moderates outnumbered the radicals. The moderates on stage were folks like Amy Klobuchar and Tim Ryan from Ohio and John Delaney, who actually showed pretty well, former congressperson, and Steve Bullock from Montana. And... What these divisions between the radicals and the sane showed is that when asked very simple questions, the radicals simply could not defend their policies. And they are running far to the left on the idea of grand visions, grandiose plans for the future. And the moderates are sitting over there going, guys, you're going to lose, right? You pushing too hard means that it will be a referendum on our policy. It won't be a referendum on President Trump anymore. So they were trying to grip the coattails of these radical Democrats and try to haul them back over the edge of the cliff. And while it was pretty obvious that the radicals had no answers, it obviously wasn't working in the hall because the applause lines were all for the radicals in the hall, which makes sense. It's a primary. But all of these clips are going to live on forever. This is why Rahm Emanuel, former congressperson, former chief of staff for Barack Obama, was saying openly yesterday that the Democrats are busy alienating an enormous percentage of the population with their prescriptions. Now, the person who came away with the big win last night was the person who channeled the spirit of radicalism without actually any of the policy. See, what last night exposed more than anything else 
is that folks who are very into the radicalism of the Democratic Party, very into the, the radical left, Medicare for all, no, non, no first use of nuclear weapons, people who want to decriminalize illegal immigration. What this showed, this debate last night, is that it's not that those policies are inherently popular or inherently wonderful. People aren't resonating to the policies. They're resonating to the notion put forward by the radicals that a change in policy will occasion a change in the spirit of man. Barack Obama's appeal in 2008 was not a policy appeal. He did not campaign on policy for five minutes of that entire campaign. The reason that Barack Obama was very popular is because he campaigned on two things. One, that he was going to be a unifying figure in the wake of the Bush administration. And not only was he going to be a unifying figure, he was going to be a unifying racial figure, meaning that the greatest drama and, and cruelty in American history was going to be rectified by President Obama, who was going to bring all the parties back to the table. He was going to bring everybody together. We could resonate around the idea of a black president who signified the progress that America had made. And then all Americans would be treated as Americans rather than as members of subgroups. Right? That was Barack Obama's chief appeal. And that was tied to another appeal that Michelle Obama spelled out. I found it incredibly off-putting at the time. I still find it incredibly off-putting. She said during the campaign, that Barack was going to force you to be better. He was going to change your spirits. He was going to change your souls. It was a religious appeal, an overtly religious appeal. And that was appealing to a lot of folks on the left because the real vision of Marxism and most American leftism is tied to the ideas of Karl Marx. It's what distinguishes American leftism from normal sort of moderate policy or conservatism. The roots of leftism lie in a materialist definition of reality in which true troubles in all of America's in all American walks can be boiled down largely to the inequalities produced by capitalism and by free markets and by property ownership. If you read Marx, one of the things that Marx says pretty obviously in the Communist Manifesto is he talks about the idea that Marxism will transform man, that man is malleable and that Marxism will make man different, that the reason man is bad is because man has been shaped by his sociopolitical environment in order to be bad, that capitalism, free markets, property ownership, these have made man lesser. And that in the future, inevitably, man will become greater as he lets go of these things. And that's an overtly spiritual appeal. It's actually a religious appeal. Marianne Williamson last night on the stage was making religious appeals. And those religious appeals are more in line with today's politics than the sort of technocratic politics that dominated America from basically the Eisenhower administration all the way through the George W. Bush administration. The, the spiritual appeal is what got Barack Obama elected in 2008. And it's the spiritual appeal that got Donald Trump elected in 2016. Donald Trump didn't make a policy appeal at any point. No point in 2016 did Donald Trump really talk about policy. Instead, he talked about the quote-unquote spirit of America, making America great again, quote-unquote restoring the American soul, right? That was the sort of idea. It was a religious appeal. And what he meant by restoring the American soul, un unlike the vast majority of people in the media who lie and say that it was all about white response to Barack Obama and all of this, when he said that he wanted to make America great again, that was a spiritual appeal. What he meant was he wants an America that was rooted in fundamental ideals of unity where we were all firing our guns in the same direction. Now, he wasn't clear about what the direction would be. He was very vague about that, which was my main criticism of him, one of many, in 2016. But that was a spiritual appeal. Well, last night, the only person who was talking on a spiritual level was Marianne Williamson. And people have been mocking her for this. I've mocked her for this. You know, the, the pretensions and the crystals and the massage oils and all and the, the auras and the penumbras and all, all of this kind of stuff. And it is weird. It's weird. But there is something she was doing last night that operated on a different level than the other Democratic candidates. This doesn't mean she's going to win the nomination. It does mean that 
whichever Democrat channels the zeitgeist that Marianne Williamson is attempting to channel is going to win the nomination and maybe the presidency. Because what she was doing last night was not talking about the wonders of Medicare for all. What she was doing last night instead was talking about changing the American soul. And in a debate where the moderates were basically kicking around the radicals on policy, she's the only one who rose above it. So she was saying the same sort of stuff. I mean, she did an interview last night where she was specifically asked, what kind of Democrat was she? So she was asked this by Anderson Cooper. What kind of Democrat are you? And Marianne Williams is, is Marianne Williamson is charmingly kooky. I mean, even obviously Anderson Cooper is, is very much charmed by her. And she's, she's inherently hilarious because she is charmingly kooky. But she says in the middle of this interview, in the one substantive point, that she is a Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren Democrat. But that's not what came across last night because, again, she wasn't speaking at the level of politics. She was speaking at the level of dark forces and American spirits and all the rest of this. Here's where she identifies politically and also why she's kind of charming. I mean, I just find it really interesting, this notion that a, pl a plan is not enough and... Who else does anybody else that you have seen of all Why 20... Why do you need anybody else? You got me. <laughs> and what if there's anybody else? No, that's my point. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, know, I, I agree. Like, well, there I is no I'm... one else like you on that stage. That I, can, I, don't, you, I don't take positions, but I can tell you that is a position I will stand by. Yeah, well, you but, got me, so what, what, what do you... I mean, so she's charmingly kooky, but then she finished that by saying she's an Elizabeth Warren... Bernie Sanders Democrat, meaning she she agrees with them on policy, but that's not what came across last night because that's not the level upon which she was campaigning. Okay, so now let's get into the details of this debate. First of all, you want to talk about how radical the Democrats are? Let's talk about Tom Perez. So Tom Perez is the head of the Democratic National Committee. And he was made that while Barack Obama was still president. He was the former head of the Civil Rights Division of the DOJ under Barack Obama, where he was extraordinarily radical himself. I know folks who served in the DOJ at that time in the Civil Rights Division. And it was fairly obvious that Tom Perez was orienting that division in one particular way toward targeting one particular sort of discrimination while ignoring other forms of discrimination. In any case, Tom Perez leads off this thing. He's trying to get the crowd all revved up and he starts talking about global warming. And then he gets into universe warming, which is not a thing because global warming is reliant on carbon emissions on Earth that create thickening of certain chemical levels in the atmosphere of the Earth. Mars is not warming. So here is Tom Perez saying silly things. Our EPA administrator ought to get the memo on climate change because climate change is an economic crisis. It's a public health crisis. It's a moral crisis. It threatens our universe. And we must take action now. It threatens we our believe universe? That civil rights is the Okay, so it, um, yeah, and everybody's getting all revved up. Yeah! Well, th there he is being as radical as possible. And then the Democrats are like, why aren't people resonating to John Delaney? Because the head of your party is a crazy person who's standing up there talking about universe warming. What, in the, what? by the way, if, gl if global warming were actually about universe warming, then carbon emissions wouldn't be the problem, would they? It would be the sun, right? That is the only, that is the only body capable of warming the universe. <laughs> so if we were just talking about the sun heating up, it'd be a very different question than than the emissions that are coming out of your cow's butt. And we'll get to the actual debate in just one second, but that was the setup. The payoff was Democrats cheering for everything radical. Well, logically, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders were absolutely exposed by the moderates on the stage last night. It was pretty amazing, actually. We'll get to that in just one second. First, when I love an advertiser's product so much that I actually buy one as a gift for a relative, that means that I really love it. Well, I actually bought a Helix Sleep mattress for my sister on the occasion of her wedding because 
They are just great. They're personalized just for you. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete, matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. No matter how you sleep, on the side, back, hot sleeper, whatever it is, Helix can make what your body needs. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. For couples, Helix can even split that mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each side. They've got a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I promise you will. How do I promise? Because I have a Helix Sleep mattress. It is indeed phenomenal. Helix is offering up to 125 bucks off all mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to 125 bucks off at helixsleep.com slash Ben. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben for up to 125 bucks off your mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash Ben. Go check them out. My wife and I took the two-minute sleep quiz. We got the personalized mattress. It's fantastic. You should have one too. Helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use the slash Ben to get up to 125 bucks off. Helixsleep.com slash Ben. Okay, so let's jump into the actual debate. So everybody sort of gave their opening statements, and their opening statements made fairly clear where exactly they are on the spectrum. Elizabeth Warren is is vying for the progressive wing of the Democratic Party against Bernie Sanders. Now, what was weird about this debate last night is you would have expected at some point Warren to go after Sanders or Sanders to go after Warren. Instead, they seemed sort of content to leave each other alone and go after the moderates. That's not going to help either of them, because this is Highlander. There can be only one. If Warren and Sanders stay in the race, Joe Biden is the nominee. It's that simple. If Warren and Sanders stay in the race together and they're both earning double digits, Joe Biden is the nominee. One has to take out the other. Well, Sanders isn't going anywhere. He feels like I ran this race in 2016. I should have won. I'm not going anywhere. And Elizabeth Warren feels bad that she didn't jump in in 2016. So she's not going anywhere. So at a certain point, they've got to turn their guns on each other. That did not happen last night. Instead, they're trying to demonstrate how radical they are. So Elizabeth Warren has been trying to have it both ways. She's super radical, just like Sanders, but also she's kind of moderate. Well, no, she's just a radical. So here is Elizabeth Warren making the pitch that the way that the Democrats win the White House is with big ideas, which of course is idiocy. By polling data, the way the Democrats win the White House is by standing there and pointing at President Trump. That's how they win. If they talk about radical policy ideas, they lose. And as we'll see, there were some Democrats on stage last night who actually pointed this out. So here's Elizabeth Warren saying, we need courage, we need strength. And the base cheering along. Good luck with this. We're not going to solve the urgent problems that we face with small ideas and spinelessness. We're going to solve them by being the Democratic Party of big structural change. Okay, so big structural change. That's her shtick. Okay, and then she was asked, this is my favorite part of the debate. There are a couple of points where Warren really sort of demonstrated what she is. So Tapper asked Warren about her statement that she is a capitalist. And she, he says, why are you a capitalist? And Warren basically says, I'm a capitalist because I'm a communist. Thank you, That's Governor. how I win. That's how we Thank can you, take back the office. Senator Warren, you make it a point to say that you're a capitalist. Is that your way of convincing voters that you might be a safer choice than Senator Sanders? No, it is my way of talking about I know how to fight and I know how to win. Democrats win when we figure out what is right and we get out there and fight for it. I am not afraid. And for Democrats to win, you can't be afraid either. Boy, is she a low-rent Hillary Clinton. I mean, my goodness, she is rehearsed and she is canned, but I love that her answer to is the reason that you're saying that you're a capitalist because you don't want to be Bernie Sanders. Her saying, yes, basically. She says, no, it is my way of talking about how I know how to fight and I know how to win. Meaning, if I say that I'm not a capitalist, then I go the way of Bernie, so I'm not doing that. So basically, she just answered yes to a question to which she answered no. How horrible is Elizabeth Warren? <laughs> Elizabeth Warren is so horrible. John Delaney, who's an actual business person, 
was was asked about the wealth tax. And before he starts to answer, you know, Don Lemon, who is just, as we will see, the worst Democrat debate uh, facilitator ever. He's just terrible because he should be on the stage. If he actually wants to run, he should just run. John Delaney's asked about as well. Elizabeth Warren literally stood there and took her hands and started doing this with her hands in eagerness at taking John Delaney's money. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Here was that moment. Your estimated net worth is more than $65 million. That would make you subject to Senator Warren's proposed wealth tax on the assets of the richest 75,000 homes, households, or so in the United what, States. What in the hell is wrong with this person? What in the hell is wrong with her? She's sitting there and she's literally, she's literally taking her own hands and rubbing her hands in anticipation of taking John Delaney's wealth. Who are you? Why, what gives you the right to rub your hands in anticipation and glee at taking somebody else's money? She's so eager to take his money. It's incredible. Does that seem like somebody who's desperate to help poor people or desperate to hurt rich people? What does that seem like to you? That's Elizabeth Warren in a nutshell. And by the way, if you think that Republicans won't cut that and say, this is Elizabeth Warren on your money, you are wrong. I would cut that ad tomorrow because that is Elizabeth Warren on your money. As we'll see, by the way, with regard to Elizabeth Warren, she has no answers when it comes to how she's going to pay for any of her programs. And she won't even tell the truth about the fact that her programs are going to cost the middle class an awful lot of money. Okay, so that was Elizabeth Warren's pitch. That was mirrored by Bernie Sanders. So Warren and Sanders are just two sides of the same very weird coin. So Bernie Sanders was in full Bernie mode last night. I mean, he had turned the spinal tap speaker all the way up to 11. There was a lot of yelling. The hearing aid wasn't working properly. He had really gotten the caffeine pro pudding in his veins. And that pudding was flowing freely. It was like there was crack in the pudding. And Bernie Sanders was going off. And so here's Bernie doing Bernie. We have got to take on Trump's racism, his sexism, xenophobia, and come together <laughs> in an unprecedented, unprecedented grassroots movement to not only defeat Trump, but to transform our economy and our government. He is one continuous Howard Dean scream. And people are loving it. People are into it. Okay, and then you would get Pete Buttigieg. So Buttigieg is now an also-ran. Everybody's still treating him like he's a, a quasi-frontrunner. He is not. He is not in the top tier of candidates. He polls well below 10%. He is not anything. He's future Secretary of Education, Pete Buttigieg, right? I mean, in, in a Democratic administration. That's where this is going. So here is Pete Buttigieg talking about all of the, uh, all of, why, why he should be elected, even though he is, what, two years older than I am? And he's, thir he's, 35, he's 37 years old. So Pete Buttigieg says that we have, to, we have to go radical. We have to go big or go home. Science tells us we have 12 years before we reach the horizon of catastrophe when it comes to our climate. By 2030, the average house in this country will cost half a million bucks, and a woman's right to choose may not even exist. We are not going to be able to meet this moment by recycling the same arguments, policies, and politicians that have dominated Washington for as long as I have been alive. Okay, so again, it's, it's going to be, I'm young, and I'm radical, and I'm here. Okay, so that was the radical wing of the Democratic Party last night. Then you got to the reasonable people. And when I say reasonable, I don't mean Republican. I just mean people who are not totally crazy. Okay, Amy Klobuchar gets up there, and she says, listen, a lot of people are going to promise you stuff, but um, we have to live in reality, and I can win. You're going to hear a lot of promises up here, but I'm going to tell you this. Yes, I have bold ideas, but they are grounded in reality. And yes, I will make some simple promises. I can win this. I'm from the Midwest. And not inspiring I have anybody, obviously. That's not inspiring anybody. But, what is she, but, but it is a reasonable pitch. 
And that was the pitch that was been made by, by a bunch of different candidates on the stage last night. Right? Steve Bullock, who is the governor of Montana, he made the same pitch. He said, listen, you guys are all going crazy. Right? I, I was watching that last debate, and, you are, and you're more interested in running to the left than winning an election. I come from a state where a lot of people voted for Donald Trump. Let's not kid ourselves. He will be hard to beat. Yet watching that last debate, folks seem more concerned about scoring points or outdoing each other with wish list economics than making sure Americans know we hear their voices and will help their lives. This, of course, is exactly right if they actually wanted to win. John Delaney, who had a good night last night, former congressperson, he said the same thing. He said, we can go down the Sanders and, and Warren route and then, we'll and then we'll lose. Then we'll lose. Folks, we have a choice. We can go down the road that Senator Sanders and Senator Warren want to take us with, his, with bad policies like Medicare for all, free everything, and impossible promises that'll turn off independent voters and get Trump reelected. That's what happened with McGovern. That's what happened with Mondale. That's what happened with Dukakis. Correct. Correct. Okay, so, th so again, this broke down very quickly into Sanders and Warren versus the quote-unquote moderates in the field. And then there's Marianne Williamson, as we'll see. Okay, we'll get to that in just one second. First, hiring used to be hard, not anymore. When someone makes the slightest, most insignificant mistake here at The Daily Wire, they know that they are living on razor's edge because we always have the backup of ZipRecruiter available. Also, we don't fire people very often here at Daily Wire. And if we want new employees, we are constantly hiring. We use ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter sends your job posting to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlights the top candidates, so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the very first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. If you're looking to upgrade your business, you need to find people who are qualified for their jobs. What better way to do that than use ZipRecruiter the same way we do right here at The Daily Wire? ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. You can try ZipRecruiter for free. When you do that, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Okay, so the, the other Democratic candidate on the stage who is somewhat moderate is John Hickenlooper, the governor of, of Colorado. And he comes out, or former governor of Colorado, he comes out and he says, listen, your policies are not going to win you any seats. All the people who won seats in last year's elections, those people are running on my policies, not your policies. Last year, Democrats flipped 40 Republican seats in the House, and not one of those 40 Democrats support the policies of our front runners at center stage. Okay, that is correct. Correct. Okay, so again, stage breaks down into radicals versus moderates and then Marianne Williamson, who's just out there. And Marianne Williamson, again, is making the same pitch as Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, but she's making an actually more honest pitch, which is, if you do what I want, we're going to transform the spirit of America. Now, not my thing. I think it's ugly in politics when political leaders do this routine. I don't like it when Trump did it. I didn't like it when Obama did it. I don't think political leaders are there to be our spiritual mentors or guides. I do not think the political leaders are there to transform our spirits. I think the political leaders are there to do the things they promise they are going to do, and ideally to uphold the rights that are established in the Constitution of the United States. But unfortunately, I am in the minority on this. Most people in the United States want a leader who is going to channel them. They want the Wilsonian big man who is going to channel their spirit. And Marianne Williamson does that better than anybody else on the stage last night. Here she was in her opening pitch. 
1776, our founders brought forth on this planet an extraordinary new possibility. It was the idea that people, no matter who they were, would simply have the possibility of thriving. And now it is time for a generation of Americans to rise up again. For an amoral economic system has turned short-term profits for huge multinational corporations into a false god. And this new false god takes precedence over the safety and the health and the well-being of we, the American people, and the people of the world, and the planet on which we live. Okay, so again, she's using key words in sort of the spiritualist push. And she's talking about thriving, which is a favorite word of a lot of sort of secular humanists. She is talking about an amoral economic system. Not an immoral, like an amoral economic. We need a morality. Right? She's talking about multinational corporations as false gods. These, this is all deeply spiritual language, and it's going to a level of the iceberg that the other Democrats are not going to. The other Democrats are talking about policy here on the top of the iceberg. Marianne Williamson is going beneath the surface of the iceberg. Now, again, does that mean she wins the nomination? No. It means that she is channeling something in the Democratic Party right now and in the American political system more broadly that goes deeper than the political debate. So I know we're not supposed to take her seriously, but she's going to have a moment. She's going to have a moment. It's happening right now. Okay, now in a second, I want to get to the actual battles that happen, because as we'll see, the reason Marianne Williamson sort of flies over the top in this debate is because Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders on any objective level got brought back down to earth last night on their policy. Okay, so let's talk about that. So there was a lot of talk about health care last night. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders both pushing Medicare for all, both lying about it. So Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren keep making the same case, which is, Sure, we're going to raise your taxes, although Elizabeth Warren lies about it and says she won't. They both say, sure, we're going to raise your taxes, but in the end, you're going to pay less for health care, which, of course, is not really true in the sense that out of pocket, you will be paying more for health care because you're paying from your tax dollars, whereas right now, for the vast majority of Americans, their employer is paying for their health care. Well, let's, let's put it this way. The employer is not going to lower your salary based on your health care benefits. Your health care benefits will just go away, and then you will pay out of your own pocket for healthcare, which means in your pocket will be less money for the vast majority of Americans. That's just a basic fact. Your employer is mostly paying for your healthcare at this point if you're in the employment-based market. In any case, John Delaney points this out because John Delaney isn't a crazy person. And Delaney says, you know, you keep talking about taking away the health insurance of 155 million people. You think that that's a, a real pitch? You, you think that's, that's really what, what you're going to do? And Bernie Sanders has no answer except to get very angry and the crowd gets angry along with him. What I'm talking about is really simple. We should deal with the tragedy of the uninsured and give everyone health care as a right. But why do we got to be the party of taking something away no, from people? No one is the party. Okay, hold on, hold That's on what they're Senator. running on. They're no. running on telling half the country that your health insurance is illegal. It says it right in the bill. Okay, that is exactly true. That is exactly true. So Warren tries to jump in right there and to save Bernie Sanders. Right? He says, why do we have to be the party of taking something away from people? And then Warren doesn't like the idea that she is going to be castigated as such, which she will be. She is taking something away from people. She is saying that we have to make illegal private health insurance in the United States in order to achieve Medicare for all. Delaney points this out. Warren has no answer. And then Delaney went on on health care. And he is correct. Exactly correct. Calling her out for, for what this plan is. I've been going around rural America and I ask rural hospital administrators one question. If all your bills were paid at the Medicare rate last year, what would happen? And they all look at me and say, we would close. But the question is, why do we have to be so extreme? 
Why can't we just give everyone health care as a right and allow them to have choice? Thank I'm you, starting to think this is so, not about health care. This no, is this, an anti-private sector strategy. Okay, so again, the, the, then Dana Bash jumps in. We have to let it go. But what he's saying there is, of course, exactly right. If you say Medicare for all, and then you pay everything back at the reimbursement rate of Medicare, hospitals will shut down. That's just the reality of the situation. Doctors will stop taking Medicare as long as there is a private alternative, which is why people like Elizabeth Warren are suggesting that you got to ban the private alternative. And then Warren had to lie about the cost of Medicare. So here is Jake Tapper grilling her on this. Thank you, Senator. Just a point of clarification in 15 extra seconds. Would you raise taxes on the middle class to pay for Medicare for all, uh, offset obviously by the elimination of insurance premiums? Yes or no? Costs will go up for billionaires and go up for corporations. For middle class families, costs, total costs will go down. Okay, for, for middle class family, total costs will go down. By what gradation? By what metric will total costs go down? Costs to your employer or costs out of your pocketbook? Because those are not quite the same thing. Remember, your employer is paying for those benefits. And then Bernie Sanders got the same treatment from Tim Ryan and John Delaney. So Jake Tapper asks Bernie Sanders, he says, I understand it would provide universal coverage, but can you guarantee union members that the benefits of Medicare for all will be as good as the benefits that their represent their union reps fought hard to negotiate? Now, Sanders starts to answer this question, and then Ryan jumps in, and then Sanders gets mad. And it's Sanders' anger that has made him popular. It is not Sanders' policies. This is why, again, Marianne Williamson is channeling something, a thing. Bernie Sanders is the closest to the other thing, right? Bernie Sanders is the closest thing to an alternative, which is just sheer rage, just anger, yelling, screaming. But Marianne Williamson is doing sort of the same thing as Bernie and sort of the same thing as Obama. And we'll see that in just one second. Here's Bernie's answer to this. I understand that it would provide universal coverage, but can you guarantee those union members that the benefits under Medicare for all will be as good as the benefits that their representatives, their union reps, fought hard to negotiate? Well, two things. They will be better because Medicare for all is comprehensive. It covers all health care needs for senior citizens. It will finally include dental care, hearing aids, and eyeglasses. But you don't know Second that. of all. You don't know that, Second Bernie. of all. We'll come I, to you in a second, I do know, and I wrote the damn bill. Said damn, so everybody's very excited. I wrote the damn bill. Well, no, what you what you don't know is that Medicare is going to guarantee the same level of coverage as Cadillac medical plans that unions have negotiated. In fact, I can guarantee you they won't. It won't be the same thing. Your care won't be as good because Medicare is not as good. We know what Medicare looks like. People purchase supplemental insurance through Medicare Advantage. It's why Medicare Advantage exists. Okay, so Bernie is just lying out his butt there, but he said damn, and so everyone gets very excited. So as I say, this contrast between radical left and moderate It goes well for the crowd in the room, but for the rest of the election, it's not going to go well for Democrats because it won't just be Democrats in the room at that point. Now, again, Marianne Williamson makes a different pitch. Marianne Williamson gets up and she says about healthcare, I'm not going to talk about Medicare for all or not Medicare for all. Instead, we're just going to talk about big ideas, big ideas, and people start resonating to this. Everything that we're talking about here tonight is what's wrong with American politics. And the Democratic Party needs to understand that we should be the party that talks not just about symptoms, but also about causes. When, it, when we're talking about health care, we need to talk about more than just the health care plan. We need to realize we have a sickness care rather than a health care system. We need to be the party talking about why so many of our chemical policies and our food policies and our agricultural policies and our environmental policies and even our economic policies are leading to people getting sick to begin with. Okay, and, and again, she is doing something that is different than all the other Democrats. The reason I keep bringing up Williamson is not just me. I'm not just standing for Marianne here. And the reason that I'm talking about Williamson is because she was the number one searched Googled person in the debate last night in every single state except Montana. 
In Montana, they were governing, the, the, the number one search was their governor, Steve Bullock. They were trying to Google whether he was in fact their governor because no one knows it's Montana. Yeah, but the fact is that Marianne Williamson was doing something different than everyone else on the stage last night. As we will see, this was a race between radicals for the left, moderates trying to hold them back, and Marianne Williamson just going right over the top. It's, it's, it was really kind of fascinating on a, on a base political level. We'll get to more of that in just one second. First, reminder, gang, next month we are taking our backstage show on the road for a special one-night-only event. August 21st, the beautiful Terrace Theater in Long Beach, California. I know it's a bit of a drive for those of you who are in Los Angeles, but it's pretty much our only event in L.A. area this year. So you should come on out and join us. It's me, Daily War God King Jeremy Boring, Andrew Clavin, the execrable Michael Knowles. We'll all be there live. We'll be talking politics, pop culture, answering your questions from the audience. Tickets are on sale right now at dailywire.com slash backstage, including our limited VIP packages that guarantee premium seating, photos, meet and greets with each of us, a gift from me. I'm shopping for it right now, right after the show and more. So head on over to dailywire.com slash backstage. Get your tickets today and I will see you there. And if I don't see you there, I'll be very disappointed in you personally. Yes, you. I'll be disappointed. So head on over to dailywire.com slash backstage. Also, make sure that you... Go subscribe at dailywire.com. It helps protect us from the nastiness of the left that seeks to deplatform us. They come after us all the time on everything from Twitter to Facebook to Google. They come after our radio affiliates. They're constantly going after our advertisers. You guarantee that we can continue to bring you hard-hitting content in an honest fashion without having to worry about the nastiness of the left. I I would never massage my message for their pleasure anyway. That's not something I'm willing to do. But you make it possible for us to continue to bring bring you the show. So please join the team over at dailywire.com. When you do for 99 bucks a year, you get this leftist here is hot or cold tumbler. You can enjoy it. You can you can really live the, the luxury of having one of these. Go subscribe right now at dailywire.com. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So Democrats racing for the left on immigration. Elizabeth Warren repeated her nonsense about decriminalizing border crossings, which, of course, would only incentivize people to cross the border illegally between points of entry instead of waiting to be processed at a point of entry, at which point you're going to be presumably detained and then family separations take place. Instead, you try to cross at a, at a non-port of entry and then you just enter the country illegally and you wait for amnesty. You want to you want to encourage people to cross that Rio Grande illegally in significantly more dangerous conditions than they would get at a port of entry? Do exactly what Elizabeth Warren is talking about right here. So the problem is that right now the criminalization statute is what gives Donald Trump the ability to take children away from their parents. It's what gives him the ability to lock up people at our borders. The, the, she's just she's terrible. And and then Bernie Sanders. This was really funny. Bernie Sanders is actually harsher on the border than Warren. So this would be an area where you would expect Warren and Sanders to go at one another a little bit, but it never happened. Warren and Sanders formed a weird team-up instead of actually going at one another, which was kind of fascinating, frankly. So Bernie Sanders was asked about the fact that soft border policies create an incentive for people to cross and get benefits, especially since both Warren, I believe, and certainly Sanders have talked about giving free medical care for illegal immigrants. Sanders says, oh, no, 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 we're going to be tough on the border, which is kind of interesting. Senator Sanders, you want to provide undocumented immigrants free health care and free college. Why won't this drive even more people to come to the U.S. illegally? We'll have a strong border protections. But the main point I want to make is that what Trump is doing through his racism and his xenophobia is demonizing a group of people. And as president, I will end that demonization. Okay, so that is him avoiding the question. He says we'll have strong border protections and then he just sort of ignores it. 
kind of kind of interesting. Steve Bullock of Montana then jumps in. He says, guys, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Like, you don't you do not know what the hell you are talking about. And of course, he's exactly correct. Look, I think this is a part of the discussion that shows how often these debates are detached from people's lives. We got 100,000 people showing up at the border right now. If we decriminalize entry, if we get health care to everyone, we'll have multiples of that. Don't take my word. That was President Obama's Homeland Security Secretary that said that. Of course, that's exactly right. But that's not where the heart and soul of the Democratic Party is right now. The heart is really, the, the heart and soul are with Marianne Williamson. But the, the political corollary of that is that it's really with Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. And that leads to this weird situation where everybody on stage last night who was proposing anything that was, that was reasonable was basically booed off the stage and treated as an apostate. It was incredible. So take, take an example, the Green New Deal. So John Delaney makes a proposal on global warming and climate change that is actually fairly bipartisan. There are some Republicans who support this. I'm still considering whether it's worthwhile or not, whether it would be effective or not. But John Delaney says, listen, here's what we should do. We should put a price on carbon and then we should have what's called the carbon dividend. There are a few Republicans who are on board with this. As I say, I'm not on board with this yet. The carbon dividend is basically the idea that you're going to tax carbon and then you're going to redistribute the money from the use of carbon to other projects inside the United States. And the reason I'm not on board with it is because I am not sure that China and India are going to sign off on anything similarly. And then you have a serious collective action problem in which we are harming our economy specifically so that we cannot actually lower global warming if that's something we're worried about. In any case, here is John Delaney making a pitch that is actually somewhat reasonable. And then we will hear Elizabeth Warren's completely unreasonable pitch. My plan, which gets us to net zero by 2050, which we absolutely have to do for our kids and our grandkids, will get us there. I put a price on carbon, take all the money, give it back to the American people in a dividend. That was introduced by me on a bipartisan basis. It's the only significant bipartisan climate bill in the Congress. I'm going to increase the department. Okay, so that is, again, John Delaney being somewhat reasonable. Then we get to Elizabeth Warren, and she says, I'm just going to dump money on it. I'm just going to take a dump truck full of money and pour it on global warming. So I've proposed putting $2 trillion in, so we do the research. We then say anyone in the world can use it so long as you build it right here in America. That will produce about 1.2 million manufacturing jobs right here in Michigan, right here in Ohio, right here in the industrial Absolute sheer nonsense. Barack Obama tried this with his Green Jobs Initiative under Van Jones. It was a complete fail. She's saying we're just going to dump money on this problem and it's going to solve itself. But again, it's all about the yelling and the screaming and the enthusiasm. It is not actually, basically, the Democratic Party is now making a choice whether they want to be the party of jazz or whether they want to be the party of rock. So original jazz actually took skill. It actually took skill. It was all about the ability to know different harmonies and, and to work with sophisticated harmonies and to improvise. Right? That was original jazz. Then you got to rock. And rock is not about skill. Rock is about enthusiasm. It's about the level of enthusiasm that you have. Well, the Democratic Party is choosing between skill, policies that work, policies that at least should be considered, and just rank enthusiasm. And you can see that rank enthusiasm is winning. That's why Bernie Sanders is, is still pulling up around 20% right now, although this did lead to the funniest exchange of the evening in which Tim Ryan got irritated at the old man screaming at the clouds and, and also at him. Here is the bottom line. We've got to ask ourselves a simple question. What do you do with an industry that knowingly for billions of dollars in short-term profits is destroying this planet? I say that is criminal Thank activity you. that cannot be allowed Thank to Thank you, Senator well, Sanders. Congressman, your response. Well, yeah, I would, I would just say, 
I didn't say we couldn't get there till 2040, Bernie. You don't have to yell. I mean, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is. <laughs> and everybody laughs because they know it's true. Old man screaming in clouds, winning elections. It, then finally, the Democrats, conclu- it's amazing. They did this entire debate in Detroit. They waited until the end to get to questions of race. And then it just turned into a pander fest about slavery reparations and the legacy of racism in the United States. Listen, we can talk about the legacy of racism in the United States if we want to do a data-driven drive into what level of current endemic poverty is based on historic racism and Jim Crow and what level is based on individual actions that keep people in intergenerational poverty, single motherhood, lack of education, criminal activity, and all the rest. And you can say that those things are outgrowths of past systems of, of, of discrimination. I'm sure that's true. But the question when it comes to your individual behavior is what is your individual behavior going to be today? Not did the legacy of Jim Crow contribute to your individual behavior? The question is, are forces beyond your control the ones that are controlling your life? Or is it stuff that is in your control that is controlling your life? We can have all those sorts of conversations. Democrats don't want to have any of them. And so instead, they just pander. It just turns into slavery reparations this and slavery reparations that. Pete Buttigieg tried to pander and failed. And then, and then, and so did Elizabeth Warren. And then Marianne Williamson stepped in. Again, it was her night. She's the one who had the best night. So Pete Buttigieg said, he had this very awkward line where he said that the racial divide lives within me. i like, what the hell does that mean? Uh, what? what? What does that even, like, you're white, dude. What? As an urban mayor serving a diverse community, the racial divide lives within me. Nothing. I'm not I, saying I don't, I don't know what the hell that means. Mayor. Then Elizabeth Warren jumps in, and she, of course, is going to, to go as radical as she can because she's going to out-enthusiasm everybody. We need to call out white supremacy for what it is, domestic terrorism, and it poses a threat to the United States of America. We live in a country now where the president is advancing environmental racism, economic racism, criminal justice racism, health care racism. The way we do better is to fight back and show something better. So I have a plan, for example, on education. Okay, what in the... Uh, okay, so it's environmental racism, this kind of racism, and that kind of... Okay, then Marianne Williamson steps in. And Marianne Williamson actually makes a pitch that, again, is spiritual in nature, and thus, when it comes to issues of race, is actually more attractive. Here's Marianne Williamson putting the slavery reparations question in a way that actually sounds more reasonable than the way Democrats are talking about it. I assure you, I lived in Gross Point. What happened in Flint would not have happened in Gross Point. This is part of the dark underbelly of American society. The racism, the bigotry, and the entire conversation that we're having here tonight, if you think any of this wonkiness is going to deal with this dark psychic force of the collectivized hatred that this president is bringing up in this country, then I'm afraid that the Democrats are going to see some very dark days. We need to say it like it is. It's bigger than Flint. Okay, and so... Again, she's wrong. Flint is governed by minorities. I mean, the, the, the folks who are, the, the, the mayor of Flint is, was black at the time. Uh, the folks who were involved in the Flint water crisis were of minority descent. It wasn't white people cramming down a situation on Flint. By the way, they're all Democrat. But what she's actually saying there is more speaking to the heart and soul of the Democratic Party than anything that Elizabeth Warren just said. Elizabeth Warren is substituting policy for spirit. And Marianne Williamson is substituting spirit for policy. And if Democrats have to choose, I have a feeling that Marianne Williamson, whoever channels that spirit best, is going to is going to do some damage in these Democratic primaries. Now, listen, it's real weird, right? I mean, she's talking about the dark psychic force of collectivized hatred. We must form a fellowship. We shall call it the fellowship of the ring. And we shall go and fight the dark psychic force of collectivized hatred. And so we'll toss the ring into the flames, the fiery furnace from whence it came. 
Marianne Williamson. But again, got a big cheer. I mean, did you hear that? It's a big cheer. And then here she was more on race. Again, a better pitch than Elizabeth Warren. We need some deep truth telling when it comes. We don't need another commission to look at evidence. I appreciate what uh, Congressman O'Rourke has said. It is time for us to simply realize that this country will not heal. All that a country is is a collection of people. People heal when there's some deep truth telling. We need to recognize that when it comes to the economic gap between blacks and whites in America, it does come from a great injustice that has never been dealt with. That great injustice has had to... Okay, again, she's talking in a way and at a level that other Democrats are not. This is not just me saying that Marianne Williamson is the best and and I think that she should be the dictatress of the universe or anything. Really what I'm saying about Marianne Williamson, obviously, is that she is doing something that I think that the rest of the Democratic Party is missing. And what the rest of the Democratic Party is missing is that their appeal right now is a spiritual appeal. It is not a policy appeal. The policy appeal failed on its own merits last night. The spiritual appeal of Williamson did not fail, not among Democrats and not among moderates. She she is the Trump of the Democratic Party, except she's not as famous. If she were more famous, she would be leading this race right now among Democrats. It's pretty obvious that that is the case, by the way. I mean, listen to the way that Williamson closed the debate last night. Nobody else had anything remotely memorable. The only memorable stuff that was said last night was all said by Marianne Williamson. Here's Marianne Williamson's closing. Yes, our problem is not just that we need to defeat Donald Trump. We need a plan to solve institutionalized hatred, collectivized hatred, and white nationalism. I want a a politics that goes much deeper. I want a politics that speaks to the heart because the only way to fight, you keep talking about how we're going to fight Donald Trump. You can't fight dog whistles. You have to override them. And the only way you can override them is with new voices, voices of energy that only come from the fact that America has been willing to live up to our own mistakes, atone for our own mistakes, make amends for our own mistakes, love each other, love our democracy, love future generations, something emotional and psychological that will not be 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 emerging from anything on this stage. It will emerge from something I'm the one who's qualified to bring forth. Congressman Delaney. Okay, that that that's that's her pitch, and her pitch is stronger than the pitch of other Democrats. Also, I will point, and you know how you can tell this. Look at this exchange between Elizabeth Warren and Chris Matthews. I must say, so Chris Matthews he gets all up in her grill. He's asking her very simple questions about her policy, and Elizabeth Warren doesn't have an answer. I roll on in here. Here I must. Looks like I just had seven drinks at the bar outside. Ask you a very simple question, Elizabeth Warren. Aren't you just going to raise taxes on people? You won't even answer the question, Elizabeth Warren. Don't you have anything? Don't, wh- what, what, what are you going to say to that, Elizabeth Warren? Go. But will you pay more in taxes? Look, this Why is don't a, you want to answer that question? Because, because as Jake said tonight, that's a, a question, Republican talking point. It's not a Republican talking because point. This it's a is question. A, so the question is not, do you have health insurance or not have health insurance? The question is, how much are you going to have to dig in your pocket to pay? I know that's the answer that you'd like to give, but no, will your taxes go up? Will the your question tax- is your okay. total cost. Okay, but there's no answer to the question where your taxes There are. is an answer to the question about your costs. How about taxes? Because it's costs that matter to people. Okay. okay, that is exactly right what Chris Matthews is saying. And she's got nothing. Okay, Chris Matthews takes her apart in 20 seconds flat right there. Now check out Marianne Williamson, who will not, she will not be owned by a child. She will own that child. Here's Marianne Williamson being asked by a child about if she has a pet. This, come on, this is great stuff. This is fantastic. Do I have a pet? I had a cat and the cat died. Um, she said, the cat's dead, guys. Sorry, <laughs> she did have a cat and the cat died. Owning the children with facts and logic, Marianne 
Williamson. Again, I'm not saying Marion Williamson wins the nomination. I'm saying that if Democrats keep playing this game where they think that radicalism for radicalism's own sake is going to be the victorious notion, they're actually missing the appeal of their own appeal, which is a religious appeal in nature. Williamson understands this. Barack Obama understood this in 2008. I'm not sure there's any Democrat who really understands this. And that's why I think that they're having a real rough time with Trump who makes a spiritual appeal to Americans. You may not like his spiritual appeal. I don't like parts of his spiritual appeal. I think that spiritual appeals in politics, as I said before, are stupid and wrong generally. But I also think that Williamson is doing something no other Democrat is doing. And if they can't capture what she's doing, they're going to lose. Okay, one final note. Don Lemon is terrible. So let me just point out that Don Lemon at CNN, who helped moderate this debate, is awful at his job. The fact that he is considered an objective journalist is ridiculous. Here's a question that he asked last night. It's just insane. Senator Klobuchar, what do you say to those Trump voters who prioritize the economy over the president's bigotry? Oh, yes, that's that's exactly. By the way, Klobuchar gave the right answer. She said, first of all, Trump voters don't do that. Trump voters aren't just saying bigotry is fine, but uh, so long as I like the economics. She said, I'm not going to call Trump voters racist. But Don Lemon is fine calling Trump voters racist. They don't care if if the president is a vicious bigot so long as they get their tax cut. What journalisming from from Don Lemon. What a great objective journalist he is. CNN, the most trusted name in news. What a joke. Alrighty, normally I would do some things I like and things I hate today, but frankly, I'm all tuckered out from that from that debate recap. We'll have two more hours of content for you later today. We'll go through some of the clips that we weren't able to get to. We'll also preview tonight's big debate and Mario Lopez in trouble for saying absolutely reasonable things about transgender. We'll get into all that a little bit later. We'll do that or, or we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer, Jeremy Boring, senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey, everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Man, it's good to be a Democrat, isn't it? You go to debate and who shows up to ask you the tough questions? Other Democrats, namely the media. Now, to their credit, Jake Tapper and Dana Bash did introduce what the Democrat candidates called conservative talking points and what the rest of us call reality. But there was a much bigger talking point that went unspoken all through the debate. There was one essential word missing. We'll talk about it on The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. PureTalk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let PureTalk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.